I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer, and this is a special Active Aging Week presented by Humana podcast series of Growing Boulder. This is the 20th anniversary of Active Aging Week, which was created back in 2003 by the International Council on Active Aging. Yeah, this is a week-long campaign that celebrated locally and globally. All over the world, people are talking about this. It highlights the positive aspects of aging, and it shares the keys that can help us all live happier and healthier lives. In fact, you're going to hear from global thought leaders, health experts, Olympic champions, and ordinary people who, no matter their age, abilities, opportunities, or challenges, they found ways to live with passion, purpose, and possibility. And as you listen, you begin to hear one common theme emerge, a theme that might even be considered a cornerstone of active aging. A research study by our friends at AgeWave reveals that 92% of all retirees say that purpose is fundamental to a successful retirement. And of course, every doctor around is going to tell you that purpose is important to our overall health and well-being, especially as we age. And as we celebrate the 20th annual Active Aging Week this week with this special episode of Growing Boulder, there really is no one better. There's no one more qualified to talk about the power of purpose than our guest today. Uh, He's a pioneer in the global purpose movement. He has spent decades researching and writing about purpose, as well as coaching people to find their deepest passions. Forbes has named him one of the top five most respected coaches in the entire world. This is a guy who has won countless prestigious awards, including the Outstanding Scholar for Creative Longevity and Wisdom Award from the Fielding Institute. He's an internationally known best-selling author who has written 11 books. His latest is What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? The Path to Purposeful Aging. You probably saw his PBS special, The Power of Purpose. It's been viewed by millions. Anxious to talk once again to Dr. Richard Leiter. Doc, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are, and uh, thanks. It's a real privilege to be back with you. Thank you so much for your time. I know how valuable it is, so we're, we're grateful for that. Let me ask you a personal question. I, I know you know probably better than anybody the importance of purpose, the power of purpose. Do you wake up every day with a purpose? Do you struggle sometimes, or do you have just this overarching, wide purpose that kind of encompasses everything you do? Well, that's kind of loaded because, of course, I don't wake up every day, but most days, yes. I mean, the intention to make a difference in one person's life today lives with me in a deep way and an everyday way. You know, I talk, Mark, about purpose with a big P and purpose with a little P. And purpose with a big P is kind of that big, oh, I got to make a difference in the world. I have to be whatever. No. Purpose with a little, I have that, and that's to make it, you know, to really uh, help others unlock the power of purpose. But the little p purpose that's available to everybody, 1,440 purpose moments a day, is to make a difference in one person's life with just a small thing like a hug, a kind word, whatever it might be. And so I live with the little p pretty consistently on a day-to-day basis. And I'm guessing the little P adds up to the big P. And let me ask you this, because as I mentioned, you've been doing this 
for more than 30 years. Right. It seems to it seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that purpose is having a moment. I mean, you've known about the importance, the power for a long time, but it seems like everybody, especially in the health and well-being movement, in the successful aging movement, is now talking about purpose. So, so how, doctor, do you define purpose and, and why is it important? Well, purpose is, you know, well as well as me, or, uh, is fundamental. It's not a luxury. It's fundamental to health, to healing, to uh, happiness, to active aging, and to longevity. So uh, that's we, we, the science is pretty clear about that now. People always say, oh, you're so lucky you hit this just right. And they went, well, it wasn't, it wasn't always quite that um, <laughs> obvious to, to the world or to, to others, but it is now. So purpose is everywhere I look, it's in education, purposeful schools, purposeful learning. It's in longevity, living longer. It's in leadership and uh, purposeful leadership where people want to work, actually. And uh, it's certainly in well-being and healthcare. We now know that at some point here, and you, you are, among others, leading the charge on this, your doctor is going to say, you know, I've done what I can do, but you need to have a why. You need to wake up and have an intention. That, and we now know we can measure that intention in the brain and in other ways in your health. And I think you touched upon this when you said we got the big P and, and the little P. But, right. you know, we hear from people all the time that say, oh, my gosh, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't have a purpose. I don't know how to find a purpose. I'm not lucky enough to have been born with a purpose. But as you note, it doesn't have to be profound. So how do you advise people when they when they say that to you? I don't know what my purpose is. Well, that's a great question. The first thing is you have to at least have some sense that, well, maybe I do have one. If you just blow it off and just say, no, I don't have one, then there's not a lot I can do. But if you are willing to entertain it, and as a purpose is a path, which is a mindset, and it's a practice. And the practice that I share with people is just two words. And the words are grow and give. So what I advise folks to do is to take a little post-it out and write the words grow and give and put that on your mirror. And tomorrow morning, when you wake up, ask yourself, how am I going to grow and give today? And at the end of the day, before you go to bed, look at that same post-it on your mirror and say, how did I do today? Did I grow? Did I give? And growing means just simply part of the real, not mystery, but uh, magic of purpose is curiosity. You have to be curious about yourself and curious about others in order to really activate uh, purpose. If you don't have that curiosity, you probably won't. So I get up every day and I ask myself, and I still have this little poster on my mirror. And when I did a PBS special, I still get feedback from so many people who say, I still have that crazy little poster on my mirror, but it really activated the simplicity of purpose. And that is that it's fundamental to, if I grow today, what was I curious about? What did I learn? What did I ask questions about? It's not about having to go to school or read a book or do anything uh, special, but it, it is about um, your own curiosity. And I think, Mark, last time we met, I, I talked, I mentioned to you that I was back in the back room in the green room uh, with the founder of TED. Mm -hmm. And the TED Talks are being listened to or watched by millions of people, billions 
around the world. And he said the whole fundamental premise of TED is curiosity. So many people are curious, but they don't want to have a long lecture. They don't want to have to go to school. They just want to, you know, a tip in. How do I? And so I think that's the true with TED as it is with purpose. You know, one of the many things I, I, I love about you and what you do is I, I, I love the, the subject matter. And you could just talk about it to the big groups that you do and be done with it. But the, as I mentioned in the intro, Forbes has named you one of the top five coaches in the world. I mean, you care about connecting with the everyday person and, and helping them learn. So, so what do you say to people? Because I know we're kind of in the same space in the sense that we're just trying to help people lean into life and, yeah. and extract as much joy out of it as they can. Is it ever too late? to learn how to be curious? Is it ever too late to learn how to find a purpose? Are there some people so set in their ways they can't get out of their way? Well, of course there are those people, but I was in Denver not too long ago. I was going to uh, take an Uber down to my hotel because I was going to be speaking at Denver University the next day at an aging institute uh, conference. And so I, I get into the Uber, and um, the driver asked me, he says, so where are you going? And I told him, and he said, well, you're going to be at one of the oldest people ever at that hotel, the Moxie Hotel, is all, all <laughs> young people. And I said, yeah, that's probably true, but it doesn't matter. It's near where I'm going to be. And he said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, who do you want to be when you grow old? The path of purposeful aging. He turned the mirror so he could see me more clearly, and he said, Really? do you know how old I am? And I said, no, not a clue. And I don't want to say too old or too young. He said, I'm 81. Wow. I said, you're 81 and you're an Uber driver. Why do you drive Uber? And he said, my wife died. He said, first of all, I retired and I was kind of lost. Then my wife shortly thereafter died and I was really lost and I was at home and I was lonely and uh, trying to figure out, and I decided to do Uber, and I realized how much I needed others and how much I needed to hear, have a conversation with others. And uh, so like with you, Mr. Leiter, uh, I'm, uh, and so uh, this Uber driver is a, was kind of a manifestation mark of uh, the fundamental of purpose is age agnostic. You could be younger, which is true because purpose is in education today. You could be older because, like him, he needed to figure something out. We're learning a lot more about it. I am. But the key, one key thing is that there's a linguistic distinction that really made things different for me. And that was for years, as you mentioned, I was about discovering your purpose. And then when I said it's about unlocking your purpose, it's in here. And I changed the wording. All of a sudden, the whole thing opened up because people said, yeah, it's this is cool. I It's in here. I need language and tools to help me unlock it. Interesting. Folks, we're talking with Dr. Richard Leiter as we celebrate the International Council on Active Aging's Active Aging Week. This is the 20th anniversary, and what a great way you know, to celebrate it. And, and Dr. Leiter, it seems like so much of what you talk about, I mean, it appeals to people, as you say, it's age agnostic. It appeals to people of all ages. But I believe that, that you know, without sounding like it's some sort of conspiracy theory, I think that we are all the victims of a subtle form of mass hypnosis because we've grown up in a culture that is overtly yeah. ageist. And we, we've been right. told sometimes that it's 
we're not able to transform ourselves, that we're set in our ways. Do you have to overcome this as you talk to older adults about finding their purpose? For sure. I mean, you've written about this and, and about ageism and, you know, it's going to be a while before we overcome the, the broader mindset, if you will, about this. But it's happening uh, fair, fairly quickly. And uh, I've interviewed elders for years, asking them if they could live their life over again and do it differently. And, you know, nothing's changed. They all say the same thing. This goes back to uh, when I was a Bush fellow at the Harvard Study of Adult Development back in 1973, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, and so uh, it's changing some, but not as fast as, as, as I had hoped. So when I interview people over the age of 65, which I still do today, and I just did with my re- most recent book, and ask them, what's their wisdom? Not their knowledge, but what's their wisdom? What would they do differently if they could live their life over? Number one is reflection. They would look at life in a broader sense, as opposed to just what's on the you know, in front of them, or their, as you say, their kind of their their stories that they grew up with. And secondly, they would take more risks the second time around to really dig into some of these areas like work and relationships and and, uh, other things that give their life meaning, but maybe they didn't think so much about it. And third, they would understand, which really fueled my writing and my work, they say, 100% of the people I've interviewed, Mark, have said they want their life to matter. Hmm. Mattering matters. It can come in very small ways, small meaning like with your own family, or broader ways with global climate change, or you know something that you feel. But the fact is that purpose is always larger than yourself. Hmm. It's always bigger than you. And it doesn't mean bigger than you that you have to go out and save the world, but it does mean that you have to somehow make an impact on a day-to-day basis. I love that. So it's not a purpose if you say my purpose is to develop a bigger bicep. Uh, a purpose has to be beyond oneself. That's, that's, that's a goal leading to something. But yeah, I, I love that. You know, one of my favorite little quotes, and by the way, mattering matters. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, that would be a great T-shirt. I see everything on T-shirts. Um, one of my favorite little quotes, and I don't, I don't know where it came from. I would uh, attribute it if I knew wh- where it came from. But I, I spoke to some people recently, and it's kind of what you talk about. And it was the fact that as we get older, we're all interested in legacy. And people get overwhelmed by, I, I don't have money. I don't have time. I can't leave a legacy. And somebody said, and I love this, a legacy is simply the things people say about us when we're gone. Right. And if someone says, you were a nice person, she listened to me, she cared about me, you know, that's a legacy. And, and I think that speaks to what you said earlier about the small p. It doesn't take a lot to have a purpose that's meaningful. No, it's true. And what you said is absolutely in, in agreement with my own study and my own work. And the uh, American essayist E.B. White said this. He wrote this which I think you'll appreciate and your listeners will appreciate. I arise in the morning torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. (laughs) Well, coming back to E.B. White, I think it makes it easier to plan the day because I think a good life is one that we're both saving and savoring and not saving in a literal big sense way, saving the planet, but making your impact, your difference, your small little P, and savoring, enjoying life. And so people often say as they retire and they're in the active aging phase, 
I've worked so hard. Can I just do this? And I went, well, as in savoring, I said, sure, savor, savor, savor. But there's going to come a time when you live in community, you live with other people. And if it's all about you, you're a you know, serial narcissist. So it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about all of us. And the time will come. So take a time out and take some time to just savor. But eventually it's going to circle back to a combination of saving and savoring. I don't think you could be who you are in the space that you're in, the age that you are, the age that we are, you know, without having some sort of thoughts about this fascination with immortality now, the investment in in longevity. And, you know, I, I kind of believe, and I think you do as well, I'm guessing that, you know, it's all about health span, really. You know, lifespan is great only if we have a health span that matches it. Are you optimistic about aging? Are you optimistic about uh, your ability personally to, to continue to make a difference and enjoy life as you get older? Oh, that's a biggie. And yes, I am optimistic. And I'm also realistic. Um, I happen to be 79 years old, and uh, I happen to have good health and work that I love to do and all of that. So, you know, I have to take that as a filter on what I'm saying. But I do believe that, um, you know, one of my teachers way back in 1968 was Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp. And some of you know, who are listening, know the seminal book, Man's Search for Meaning, where he said, the last of the human freedoms is choice. Between stimulus and response, there's a choice. Stimulus is the triggers in life and the things that happen and response is how we respond. But in between the two, we have the freedom of choice. And he said, even in a concentration camp, which no one would ever want to be in, and I can't imagine anything more horrific, Mark, than that. But he said he had the choice to get up every day with hope and a kind word and crust of bread or slurp of soup for somebody else and the uh, intention to do whatever you could to live to the future for the loved ones and things like that. So I think we have this choice in spite of it all. And uh, when I see people who understand that choice, there are different people that are more alive. They're more, I wouldn't say happy, but they're, they're more fulfilled. And so I think we have to help people understand as they age this choice. And I make that choice every day. It's not that my life's perfect. I have my own challenges and my own issues. But I do feel like the choice to be on with you today, but the choice of uh, between stimulus and response is the key to active aging. Love every word of that. Uh, You know, we we, we are so aligned in all of this. It's a fool's game to pretend that, being 79 years old, is that what you say? Being 79 doesn't have its challenges, but being 39, being 19, being nine, every age has its challenges. It's That's just right. that our culture chooses, chooses to focus on the negative side of aging. And, you know, and I believe that despite the challenges we have, we all have the ability to continue to extract moments of joy out of our life if we will allow ourselves to. And you mentioned a good life just a minute ago, and I know that you've written about uh, what you call the four components of a good life. Can you share those with us, Dr. Leiter? Sure. Yeah, the good life, going back to Plato and Aristotle, et cetera, my, my co-author of six of my books, David Shapiro is a philosophy professor and in Seattle, and he, he's done a lot of research back on looking at the good life from a historic or classical perspective. And I've 
more so from perspective of interviewing people. But the good life, in addition to money and health, which are kind of table stakes, we need enough money to survive and live someplace. We need health and uh, active aging, obviously part of that. And the other four elements that you mentioned, Mark, are, are you living in the place you love, with the people you love, doing the work you love, with a sense of purpose. Mm. So place has to do a lot with where you live. You could be in the most beautiful place on earth and feel lonely, feel isolated, feel unhappy. And so place isn't going to all, it's going to help. And who wouldn't want to live in the place they want? But you could be in that place. And then the second element is people. Who are your tribe, so to speak? Who are the people that you connect with? That's a whole other element as people age and particularly if they retire and they leave their work life behind or they leave their family growing up behind, et cetera, they still look at, and so many people today, it's my own personal assessment, depend totally on their family for that element of people. And that's not enough. I mean, family is great, but so many families are dysfunctional or living in different places. And, you know, we need a broader sense of that. Then third, So living in the place you love, with the people you love, doing the work you love. Well, the work could be any kind of work. It could be throwing pots in your garage. But work is is an element that just says, how am I, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? How am I spending my time? And is it with things that I feel are, you know, the average retiree watches 47 hours a week on television. I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. What are they doing with their time? And so I have a little thing here, which I use. It's it's an hourglass. And I ask this people to say, well, what are you doing with your time? Time is your most precious currency. What are you doing with your time? And how is that affecting you in, in terms, because your time is short. You know, it's um, back to the question you asked about mortality. And so the pandemic focused or forced many people, Mark, as you know, to really look at the fact that this thing is not going on forever. It's going to be there and you're going to have to deal with the fact that it's not. And then the fourth element is purpose. What is your reason for getting up in the morning? Because we know that that's going to give you in your life more meaning. You, you you mentioned free time, and I love that because I read a study recently, uh, I think it was also from, from our pals at AgeWave, but they talked about time affluence and the fact that yeah. retirees will have something like 2.5 trillion hours of free time right. over the next two decades. And, and, uh, and a lot of people are using it, but another study that came out just in the past 30 days you know, said that in our state, Florida, Florida ranks 46th in the nation in terms of adults over 65 actually getting involved in volunteering their wow. time. So so there's wow. this disconnect. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah disconnect between volunteering and, and free time. So how, how do we get people to understand that, uh, you know, they should get out there? Or how do we help organizations connect with these people? Uh, I mean, it's happening all over the place that people are reaching out to, I mean, nonprofits are reaching out But the other thing is that a lot of people, and particularly women, are creating businesses at the age of 60 and beyond. And so I think it's maybe the number one startup. It is the number one startup uh, statistic that 
who's doing the startups. It's not the 30 year olds in terms of huge numbers. It's women over the age of uh, like 50 or 60. And I think that uh, is totally cool, totally re relevant because people who've done, let's say, a, a woman who's raised a family and been at home or done volunteering, she's saying, well, what about me? Is enough about me? What about, you know, and they're creating businesses or they're creating new kinds of elements where they get together and uh, new, new ways to add value to the world. And so I think that's one thing that's going on out there that's really um, hugely important. Well, what value you, Richard Leiter, are adding to the world? Uh, you know, it's not just the little peas that you're that you're doing every day. You, my friend, are the big pea. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that can do the research. There's a lot of people that can publish the research. There's there's only a handful of people that can articulate the research in a way that's believable, approachable, and allows each and every one of us to find ourselves somewhere in there so that we can, in fact, change our own life. So, uh, you know, thank you for that, man. You're doing the heavy lifting, and I'm just thrilled to be able to spend a few minutes with you today. Well, I want to stick with you in the future, too, Mark, because I just got a call from my publisher, Barrett Kohler, and they said that the third edition of The Power of Purpose is selling more boldly than ever before. So, you know, we've gone from first to second to third edition. Can you write or do you have enough to say about a fourth edition? I said, absolutely. I've got tons of things I would take out of that book and put in, maybe as much as 30 or 40%. And so I just signed a contract to do the fourth edition of The Power of Purpose. First time I've ever seen it, said it out loud publicly here, which will be out next, next, the end of next, next year. But, uh, yeah, why is that? They said it's an evergreen book. You know, it'll be out 20 years from now, like The Power of Positive Thinking. Not because it's the greatest book in the world, but because purpose is so relevant to people's lives. And active aging is hugely, uh, you know, and growing bolder is really about that relevance. People want to feel relevant from cradle to grave. And as they age, they want to feel more relevant. And so my a passion is to bring that relevance to life. What a way to celebrate Active Aging Week with the guy who is the guy, uh, Dr. Richard Leiter. Doctor, thank you so much. Okay. Hi. Thank you so much, Mark. Take care. You know, what a great guy, what a passionate and empowering man, and, and what a wonderful conversation in which uh, Richard Leiter highlights the importance of having purpose in our lives. He says it's not just a luxury, but it's actually a necessity, that purpose is fundamental to everything, to our health, to healing, to happiness, and even to our longevity. It's that sense of purpose that gives us a reason to get up each and every morning and makes us realize we are significant, and that helps us feel useful. And, and thank you for that, Mark, because that's a great way to sum up a very important point, because what you said is basically the meaning behind Active Aging Week presented by Humana, having a sense of purpose, feeling like we matter. So folks, be sure to check us out all week as we share the International Council on Active Aging's seven dimensions of wellness with videos, articles, more podcasts like this, and a complimentary downloadable work book that's a great resource to help you get started to a happier and healthier future. For more information, activeagingweek.com and humananeighborhoodcenter.com. <laughs>